0: The Way Out. Week number two. The Way Out. Uh, This is a a series on Exodus. We just got out of a series in Genesis, which was awesome. Uh, And if you were here for that, it kind of helps inform this series in Exodus. But if you weren't, it's fine. I'll recap some stuff for you. Um, But last week we did Uh, So if you have your Bibles, open up to Exodus. Uh, Exodus, we're going to do chapter 3 and 4 today, because last week we did chapters 1 and 2. And chapters 1 and 2, just a quick recap, if you weren't here last week. Chapters 1 and 2 are just talking about Moses. Everybody say Moses. Uh, Moses was a a Hebrew. Um, He was a Jew who was born in Egypt under... Uh, it, during a time of oppression, during a time of slavery, and during a time when Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, wanted to kill all of the baby boy Hebrews, kind of, kind of a bad, bad time to be born, right? And so Moses was. Moses uh, got sent down a river by his mom to try and save him in a little basket. He got found by Pharaoh's daughter. So Moses had the weirdest childhood of all time. He was raised probably the first five years of his life by his own mom, but requested by Pharaoh's daughter because that's his adopted mom. So then after he grows up a little bit and he's ready to move into the house, he then leaves his own home again for the second time and moves in in Pharaoh's house with Pharaoh's daughter he's Pharaoh's daughter's son now so he has this dual life he knows the Bible doesn't specifically know how he knows but he knows that he is Jewish right he's 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 born a Hebrew but he also understands everything there is to know about the palace lifestyle living in Pharaoh's house this weird dual life right and uh, and then he uh, tries to defend someone, does it the wrong way, kills someone, he gets exiled. He's out in the wilderness. And that's where we left off last week. He got married. Life is good. Okay? Or relatively good. <laughs> we cool? We're going to pick it up here? Pretty good? Okay. We're going to start in chapter 3. I'm going to jump around a little bit, all the way through chapter 4. This... St- so remember these things in the story. The story is sick. The story is so cool. And it's going to be progressing, and things are going to get crazy, and here it is. So Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Everybody say Jethro. If Danielle and I have a second son. We're going to name him Jethro. I just decided. It's going to be Jeth for short. Jeth. And everyone's going to think, actually, scratch that. If we have a daughter, I'm going to name her Jethro. And then it's going to be Jeth for short, because then it's going to be like Jess, but we're saying it with a lisp. Okay, so that's stupid. Okay, so um, Jethro's father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock west to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. We're going to say the mountain of God. Okay, so Moses is, is a shepherd now. Moses went from being royalty, kind of. Right? It's kind of like a stepson royalty. And, and and then he got exiled. Now he's a shepherd. All right? Then, verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. The bush was not consumed. The birch. The birch was not consumed. <laughs> The bush was not consumed. So, can you imagine, you're walking in the desert, we're out in like Palm Springs or something, getting crazy, and there's like this shrub, that's just, you're like, hey, hey, what? And we're out there in springtime, it's not even hot, right? (laughs) What the? And you go over to it, and it's burning. And you know when something's burning, you could see like that the, it's starting to darken, and the ashes are, are, are flying, and all this kind of stuff. But it just looks normal, and it's just on fire. Like, what the, Right? So Moses is like, Ayo, what? And so, so Movis, Mo, Movis. <laughs> uh, who is this guy? Mo, Movis. Okay. Uh, that's going to be our next, our third kid's name, Movis, <laughs> oh my gosh, if you're joining online, thanks, <laughs> we won't see you next week probably, okay, so, so Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, right, so <laughs> Moses is, he's, I gotta, I gotta check this out, right, and this will skip down a little bit. Verse 4, when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush. So if it wasn't weird enough that the bush is on fire but not getting burned, then there's a voice that comes out of the bush. Now this is getting crazy. Moses is like, what did I eat for breakfast, right? He's like, no, we're not going to go there. Okay, so it says Moses, Moses, tonight's a weird night, but it's cool. We're going to have a good time. I'm going to preach my head off in a second. So he said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here, here I am. Right? I'm right here. Like, like he doesn't know. Here I am. Yeah, I know. I just called your name. Okay. Then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He also said, I am the God of your father. The God of Abraham the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. So the context here is that Moses just now is like, oh, shoot. This turned from a weird encounter to a, almost a terrifying one. Here's why. The, the people of that day, their understanding of God, their understanding of Yahweh, right, would have been uh, that He's Almighty God, capable of wiping them from the face of the earth if He wanted to, Noah's Ark, not that long ago, right? And 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 He's capable of doing great things, and He's capable of right. You're you're trying to please God in, in this kind of context, right? And so. Moses also recognizes that if that's God, I can't look at him because if I look at him, I'll die. Does that make sense, everybody? If you look at God with naked eye, he's too beautiful, he's too powerful. Okay? deaded. So the first thing I want to talk about real quick, and then I'm going to kind of cut and keep going and all that kind of stuff. The first thing I want to talk about here is, like Moses, right, God says, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Why does God say that? God God says that because, because he wants Moses to know, not just know him, but know about him, know the things that he's done in the past. And so, my first idea for us to take in today is that we must not forget how God has moved in the past. We can't. Here, here's what happens when we, when we forget about how God moved in the past we create God in our image moving forward. And God was never made, God was never meant to be created in my image. I, I was already created in His. Does that make sense, everybody? And so, th- the understanding of me being created in God's image depends on how, what I understand about God. And to know God I have to know who God has been this entire time. Does that make sense? I can't I can't forget everything in the past, right? There's the the famous saying that if uh if you erase history, it'll rewrite itself anyways or something like that. You know what the Anybody know what the, the Oh, that was good. Say it again. Those who destroy history are doomed to repeat it. Yes. That was way more elegant than my version. Um but it's true. If we if we forget about the past, right? Especially if we forget about things that happened that were wrong, things we did wrong, right? If they would have forgot about what happened at Babel, it's just going to happen again, right? Think, things are things are going to come back. If they forgot what happened with with Cain all the way to Lamech, things are just going to happen again. Does that make sense, everybody? Right? If we if we if we don't understand who God has been and where God has shown himself faithful through the years, then we're going we're gonna to mess up over and over and over again. So we have to figure out who is God. We have to figure out the who, the what, the when, the where, the how of God. Amen? The other thing I want to I talk about, uh, the second point for this section God says, do not come near here and remove your sandals from your feet, for the place which you are standing is holy ground. And then at the end of this, when God introduces himself, Moses says, or then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Something that I've seen that has been absent in our culture today, in our church culture today, something that is is not as present as it should be is a reverence for God. A, a reverence for his his presence, a reverence for his house, a reverence for like like yes, we get to come to youth group, and it's like, oh it's chill, come as you are, whatever we hang in, but also at the same time, can we also understand that this is the house of God that when we walk in here and we're, and we're going to worship, like this is a place where we can encounter the spirit of God, and this is a place where God meets us right where we're at where the bible says jesus Jesus says in revelation that that he's standing at the door, knocking, asking, begging. To just be let into our churches, and he says, if we'll just open the door, he'll come in and have a meal with us. Like Jesus wants to encounter you here in this place, right? And he also wants to encounter you at home, alone in your room. But we, we've, we've disregarded the idea of church, the idea, the idea of God from a place of reverence, right? And we don't, we don't oftentimes see that anymore. Where it's like sometimes we need to fall on our knees and be like, oh my gosh, like, God, you're so good. Or sometimes we need to fall on our knees and be like, God, like, this is a lot. And what I mean by that is, have you ever, has anybody ever gone on a cruise, a, a cruise before? Raise your hand if you've ever gone on a cruise. So you've got this idea of the cruise ship in your head, right? And I guarantee every single one of you, when you walked up to that ship, you're like, oh, my Lord. It's way bigger than you think it is. It is ginormous. You start to think, you're like running physics in your head. How is this thing floating, right? You're like, there's no way that this city, <laughs> this boat city, can float in water, right? When I go in the water, I sink. There's no way that this thing can float. You know, science is cool. But it's like, oh, my goodness. Can you imagine if, does anybody like swimming in the ocean? Raise your hand if you like swimming in the ocean. Okay. All right, the rest of you are scaredy cats. Cool. Uh But, I'm just kidding. I was surfing this morning, and there was, like, a, a news channel uh, a helicopter flying right over me. And I was like, yeah, it's time, it's time for me to get out. <laughs> uh, but, anyway, <laughs> like, it, it was just, like, sitting there, like, I was like, are you, okay. It's like, I can just imagine the real, like, uh, unsuspecting surfer gets eaten by shark. Like, they're just watching me on the news. I was like, I'm out. Later, dude. Uh, but can you imagine if you're swimming in the ocean, right? Or you're sitting on a on a paddleboard or something out in the ocean. And can you imagine if a blue whale comes swimming underneath you? You can all feel what you would feel like right now, huh? Your stomach is just in knots. <sighs> so why do we think when our expectations of a, of, a, of, a, of a cruise ship are bigger than we expect, or our expectations of a whale is bigger than we expect, why wouldn't we have a similar feeling when our expectations of God when he's way bigger than we expected. That's what the fear of God means. It's not that I'm afraid of him. It's, I'm, whoa. (laughs) I'm in awe of how grand you are. And that's how Moses, he, like, hit the deck. Whoa. (laughs) Right? Because he he saw, he realized who God was. Amen? So, The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from a land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, hey, to the place of the Canaanite, and the Hittite, and the Amorite, and the Perzite, whatever. Okay, all these people. A little pause thing for those of you that were in the Genesis series. You know what's cool? Do you remember what the purpose of the Tower of Babel was? So initially we think it's to try and reach God. But kind of. It's not to go up. It's to have God come down. So the point of this tower is to get high enough where you could entice God to come down and join you. But what was it for? Whose name? Theirs. What does God say here? I am aware of their sufferings, so I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians. God comes down because it's for his name now, not for theirs. Cool little snippet for us nerds that were in the Genesis series. Okay, keeping going. Where am I at? Um... Therefore, verse 10, therefore come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Moses is like, not down. Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, certainly I will be with you. You know why God says that? Because that should be enough. Right? If you're like, who am I that I should go do that? Like God's calling you to something big. God's calling you to uh, impact your campus. God's calling you to bring 20 kids to summer camp this year, and you know you can, but you're kind of scared to do it. But uh, you really want to see me shave my beard. And so, like, God's calling you to do something big. But then at the same time, you're thinking, who am I to do this? I'm jacked up. Like, I I don't even know that I'm, like, all put together. Who am I? And God responds simply, like, if I told you to do it, I'm going to be with you. And that should be enough. Amen? And this shall be the sign to you. That it is I who have sent you, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Which is foreshadowing, later on we're going to talk about Sinai, it's going to be sick, okay? And that's where he's at right now. Then Moses said to God, behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and have and will have to say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, what is his name, what shall I say to them? And then, this is the famous line, God says to Moses, I am who I am. Or I am... That I am, in other translations, which is translated in Hebrew, Yahweh. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am, has sent me to you. Yahweh has sent me to you. Now, here's something I found really interesting. And I'm not going to plant my flag here, but I'm going to tell you what I think. I'm going to tell you. Can I tell you what some smart people are arguing about and then tell you where I land on it? It's kind of some cool stuff. Okay, so check this out. So for my entire life, I have thought that this is the first place where the name Yahweh comes about in the Bible. God introduces himself as Yahweh. This is the first spot. But if you go back and read Genesis in the original Hebrew, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all referred to God as Yahweh. And he refers to himself as Yahweh, back and forth in conversation. There's no like formal, I'm Yahweh. But this is like, it's almost like they know. It's weird, right? So here's here's what I think. The, some people think that Well, Moses wrote Genesis and Exodus, so some people think that Moses kind of wrote it back into Genesis to kind of give a, a name to God, which could be true. But the way I think, and which makes this way more interesting, is Moses is saying, kind of, awkward, like I did with Ethan today, hey, I kind of forgot your name. Moses is like, I'm kind of... One of your children, but also at the same time I got sent down a river when I was a baby, and then I grew up in Pharaoh's house. I don't really know you. I know all the Egyptian gods. I don't really know you. This is what I think this is what I think it's saying. Could be heresy, I don't know. I don't think it is, but he's saying They're going to say, what is his name? And he's saying, how do I tell them that I'm not a fraud? I have to know your name. Right? And that's when God says, I am who I am. I am that I am. Tell them that I am sent you. All right. Because according to scripture, it seems like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all knew his name. So, just like today, I said, uh, remind me again (laughs) of your name. So this brings me to point number three. Everybody say number three. Regardless of where we land on our our studies and what we think about this, whether this is the first time that uh, the name Yahweh is actually being used in history or whether it was back with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it doesn't really matter. It makes the story, for me, seem a little bit more interesting. But the point of it is that God has a name. Amen? Why is this important? Because he's not just this figure that we don't understand named God, he's He's a person who wants to have a relationship with us, who wants to know us, who wants, who wants like in, in the Garden of Eden he was having conversation with Adam, they're going back and forth, it was, it was they were in community, right, God has a name, and what does God's name mean? It's I am who I am, or I am that I am, what does that mean? That means that God was who he was to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and he's going to be who he is to Moses, and he is going to be who he is uh, to Simon, and me, and Kevin. And Sarah, right? God was the same back then. I am that, and I am that, and I am still that. I am who I am. I've been that the whole time. What does that mean? God is saying he's a, he's a God of integrity. Integrity simply means that you are who you say you are. If I say that I'm a bad person and, I be, and I'm a bad person, I'm actually a person of integrity because I'm telling the truth. But the difference is God is a God of integrity and holiness, so God is, is set apart, he's, he's righteous, and he's holy, and he's integrous. He says, I'm righteous, I'm holy, and I'm good, and he is that. And he's always been that. He is who he is. Amen? And he'll be that forever. In verse 15, it says, this is my name forever. And this is my memorial name to all generations. He's saying, remember me by this name. Remember me as Yahweh. I am that I am. All right, moving on. So we'll jump ahead. And we'll go to uh, chapter 4. This is really good. I'm really excited about this. Okay. So starting in verse 1, everybody there? We good? This is going to get good. I mean, it's been good, but it's going to be really good. Then Moses said, everybody say Moses said, Ooh, I like that. What if they will not believe me? So he goes, okay, so you told me to go to the Israelites, and I asked you what your name was so that I could act like I'm like one of them. you know? Oh, you know that dude, Yahweh? He sent me, right? What if they don't believe me or listen to what I have to say? Remember, Moses is in like an identity crisis. He's not really Egyptian, and he's not really Hebrew. He's like... I don't fit in anywhere. I got kicked out of my own house twice, both houses, the poor one and the rich one. (laughs) I got sent down a river, went back, got kicked out when I was five or whatever, however old he was. And then I went to the Pharaoh's house. It was cool. I was eating good food. And then I got kicked out of there too. And my grandpa, the guy who was there the whole time, wants to kill me. So how is anybody going to believe me? Anybody ever felt like that? How is anybody ever going to trust me? I don't even fit in with anyone. I don't fit in. I don't fit in this box. I don't fit in this box. Everyone's trying to get me to be in this box. Everyone's trying to get me to be in this box. Everyone's trying to get me to be in this th- third box of 1,400 boxes. Whatever. I don't care. But someone, they're trying to pin me in this space. I don't fit in. Right? And God's like, well, I'm I'm, I'm writing this to you. I'm, <laughs> this is to you, not from this. But God's saying, in that moment, I don't fit. In. But you—that's because you're uniquely made. And without you, the image that's supposed to be me is not is not complete. So I need you, right? But Moses is saying, "Man, I don't fit in. What, what if they don't? What if they don't listen to me? For they may say the Lord has not appeared to you." This is so cool. The Lord looks at him and says, what's in your hand? He's like, remember what what Moses was? A shepherd. He's like, it's my staff. Then he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground. (laughs) That was slight. Okay. Okay. He threw it on the ground and it turns into a snake. That'd have been trippy. I <laughs> got this big walking stick essentially. Throw it on the ground, throws it on the ground, turns it into a snake. And then God's like, and then Moses is like, hey, yo, what? And then God's like, hey, just pick it up from his tail. He picks it up from his tail, it turns back into a staff. What? This is point number four for us, if you're if you're taking notes. Point number four is what's in your hand? right sometimes we, we we go to god and we're like god i don't fit in i'm not the person that's supposed to do this no one's going to listen to me right why don't you send uh one of my leaders why don't you send brett to go talk to the, my neighbor at school cuz that's creepy i'll get kicked out of school i'll get flagged you guys are going to a lockdown cuz some weird guys on campus trying to tell people about jesus okay so you have to do it <clears throat> but you're like god i can't They're, what if they don't listen to me what if they say oh no that's that's not real God says, what's in your hand? And Moses is thinking, well, it's just a staff. I've been using this for the last few years as I've been a shepherd. God's asking you the same question. What's in your hand? What have I equipped you with already? Right? What kind of gifts do you have? What kind of talents do you have? Or who are the friends that are already around you that might just believe you? Who are the people that are right next to you? Right, I'm, When I'm telling you to go invite someone to church, I'm not I mean, you can. You can go meet random people and invite them to church. That's fine. But I'm also just saying the kids you hang out with every day, because I know all of you are hanging out with at least one person every day at school. The people you're with, hey, would you go to youth group with me this week? But you know what's scary? Sometimes you don't want to invite those people. You don't want to invite the people who are closest to you. Why? Because they actually know you. You're like, wait, but if they come to youth, Brett might find out. The only reason I know this is because I was there. But what if, what if I already kind of (laughs) know? And what if, hear me out, what if being transformed isn't complete until you can bring your whole story to youth group? There's this beautiful story in the New Testament of this woman. The Bible says she was a, a sinful woman. A lot of people think she was a prostitute or whatever. She goes to Jesus. She has this alabaster jar filled with perfume. says it was worth a year's wages. Let's, let's go average Orange County, $60,000. It's not even average Orange County, but I'm just... <laughs> All right, but... Sixty thousand dollar perfume. Can you imagine? She busts it open, pours it out on Jesus's feet. What? And everyone's everyone's yelling. Judas is mad. She, Don't do that. You could use that for for other things. We could we could sell that and all. Of that, he's all mad. And people are also like, she's unclean. Get him, Get her away from Jesus. But you know what happened? she poured out the best thing she had while presenting the worst of her to Jesus. But I said she let down her hair which is a a symbol of like a sexual symbol back then. It's like, whoa, don't do that. She's just letting it all out to Jesus. What if you were bold enough to do the same thing? What if you were bold enough to get the friends that know you to come to youth group so you can all be transformed? So you can all experience Jesus together, right? Cuz you love those friends. And you guys are all worshiping something. Most of the time it's not Jesus. So what if we got together and did that instead? Amen? What's in your hand? What has God given you? Acts 3.6. Peter and John walk up to this guy and the guy's begging for money. And, he, and Peter says to him, hey, man, silver and gold I do not have. But what I have I give to you. Stand up. But I wanted silver and gold. <laughs> right? But I don't have that. Right, Moses is like God. I don't, I don't have the way in here, man. Like they, nobody likes me. But, but God already knows that he, He's the only person that can do this because He's He's grown up in both contexts. But Moses is seeing it from the other side. Like, no, 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 they both hate me. <laughs> I, I can't go. And He's like, "What's in your hand? A stick? <laughs> Throw it on the ground." Oh, you're God. What do you have in your hand? Amen. Then we skip down and he he tell, he tells them these signs. There's all these different signs. There's the snake in the in the stick and then and there's the uh this it turns water into blood and and he he puts his hand in his shirt like this and pulls it out and it's like filled with leprosy. And then he puts it back in and it's good. All these different things just to prove that it's God who sent Moses. Because the Israelites, they need signs and wonders. (laughs) But then here's his last cry. Moses is fighting. Anybody ever fought God? Anybody ever wrestled with God? Moses said, "Please, please, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither recently, nor in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. For I'm slow in speech and I'm slow of tongue. This is another awesome moment. then God says, "Who made man's mouth right Moses says god'm I'm, I'm slow of speech, I'm not really good with talking and and god says who who gave you the ability to speak in the first place? Answer me that God's over there like right. He says, who made man's mouth, or who makes him mute, or deaf, or seeing, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then, go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth, and teach you what to say. But he said, please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. Moses is still fighting. Point number five. Is simply write this down. You'll remember this text. Who made man's mouth? This is kind of cool because it also points to uh, there's there's this there's this moment in Isaiah six, one of my probably my favorite scripture in all of the Bible, where where uh, Isaiah says, "Man, I'm a man of unclean lips from a tribe of unclean, unclean lips," and and an angel comes down and touches his lips with coal and cleanses him. God's like, "What now?" <laughs> Same thing here. Moses is like, "I don't talk good." <laughs> I don't. I don't speak right, you know. And God's like, "Who gave you the ability to speak in the first place?" And I'm telling you to go, and I'm asking you to talk. You don't think I know what your capabilities are, right? God. God's asking some of you, like, "Hey, I want you to go share the good news of Jesus to someone at school." And you're like, "I, got, I don't even know how to share, like my my study packet with a, a neighbor." I'm. I get nervous. I can't talk to girls. <laughs> I. I just don't right clam up there's this pretty girl who asked if I had the study guide and I said right I was like right and now she like follows me around everywhere and gives me high fives like I'm like anyways okay so and God's like wait but I I I'm asking you to do this and I made that very mouth that I'm asking to speak these words out don't you think I'd give you the words to say once you went and did what I asked you to do Maybe the reason you don't ever have the words to say is because you're not doing what God asks you to do. Oh, I just find myself, I'm always tongue-tied. I'm always like, ah. Well, yeah, because you just keep walking over there, and I've asked you to go over there. I just don't, I feel like I'm stuck. I feel like I'm swimming upstream like a salmon. (laughs) I feel like I can't, I'm not going anywhere. Right? It's like, yeah, well, maybe that's because the river of life is flowing this way, and you're going that way. Maybe it's because the will of God is going this way, and you're trying to go that way. Amen? If God has called you, he'll give you the tools to see it through. Amen? So you know what? I'll, and I'll paraphrase this next part. But actually, I'll, I'll read the first verse, of verse 14. Then the anger of the Lord burnt against Moses. Ooh, Moses kept fighting. God, I can't do it. I can't. I can't talk. I can't do this. I'm, I can't do what you're asking me to do. God's like, I know you. I, may, I, I formed you in your mother's womb. And I'm asking you to do something for me, and you're arguing with me because you say you can't do it. I made you. Don't you think I know what you're capable of doing? He's like, no, I can't do it. God was mad. (gasps) Fine, he says. So he gives a a backup plan. And his backup plan is to have Moses' brother Aaron speak for him. He says Aaron will speak. And you'll be representative of me to Aaron. Aaron will speak, you'll do all the, all the uh, signs and wonders. God'll, God'll accomplish his will, whether you're a part of it or not. But here's the thing. I, and there's a lot of things to learn from Moses because he did a lot of great things, but this is one thing that we got to learn from Moses because he did it bad. He did it wrong. Don't ever settle for a backup plan from God. Don't ever. God's calling you to things that you are that you 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 can't do it. If, if what you think God is calling you to do seems feasible, like, oh yeah, I could do that. It's not what God's calling you to do. It's not. It has to be something that, like, I don't know how I'm going to do that on my own. He goes, exactly. Exactly. You can't do it on your own. Because if you did it on your own, you would say that I did this. I see a lot of pastors today that, I built this church. No, you didn't. If you really built the church, maybe you just built a gathering of people for your namesake, not for God's name. That's why I want you to invite friends. I want you to do this whole thing because that that means we're bringing more people to the kingdom. But it's not about me. I don't care. I don't need to be a youth pastor with a youth group of 500 kids. If that happens, it's all because of God, not because of me or you or whatever. But I I will say that a lot of us are settling for a backup plan. A lot of us a lot of us are settling for someone else taking on our calling than we should have taken on. God, like five years ago, six years ago, I really felt in my heart I was supposed to be the youth pastor at this church. Here's why. There's a group of guys, <laughs> some of you in here, that I felt deeply called to. I just felt it. I was like, man, I, I don't know why. I just I got got to do life with these dudes. And I think that means I'm going to be the youth pastor. But I don't know. It's kind of awkward because there was already a youth pastor. So I didn't say anything. But I I just felt that. But here's the thing. What happened if I was like, no, that's not it. I'm just going to be. I'm just going to do worship. Guess what? There would have been another youth pastor. That would have walked in my calling. And seen the fruit of what I was supposed to do. But they did it it would have been great for them, but I would have been left wondering, man, what was I supposed to do? Has it been hard? Yeah, it's been hard. (laughs) But it's been good. You guys are awesome. I've done life with all of you since you were little or not so little or whatever. It's been good. I met new friends. My best friend, Ethan. We're tight now because I remember his name. Don't settle for second best. Amen. Chase after God, and when he calls, just go. When he says, hey, you're going to do this, just say, okay, <laughs> we'll do. Don't know how. I don't think I'm capable. That's cool. You're going to see me through it. You're going to make it happen. Amen? There's some people in this room that have done that. Can I tell you a little story? She's not in the room, so I'm going to tell you. you. want me to tell you the story of how Danielle started leading worship? Yeah. Check this out. Okay, so we're, we're dating... Uh, And I'm done. I'm just telling stories now. We're dating. uh, We're driving in her car, and she's singing. Not loud, though. I'm like, dang, she can kind of sing, I think. I said, hey, so this is crazy. Like, your dad sings. I know all three of your sisters sing. And from what I'm hearing right now, putting two and two together, I think you could sing. She's like, yeah, don't say that. I was like, but I think you can. She's like, whatever. I was like, what do you th- what would you think about leading worship with me? Like, you know, ordained, I think it'd be kind of cute and stuff. Like we <laughs> She's like, nah, that ain't me. I was like, okay, well, you don't have to lead worship, but let's practice. Let's like practice you singing. We'd come here. If you don't know, there's a, a piano around the corner over there. I'd sit down at the piano. Danielle would come over here to this stairwell and she'd sing over there. I had to turn the piano all the way up so she could hear it. It took six months for her to get from there to over there. Each week was like a step closer. She'd sing. Pretty soon she sat next to me and we're singing together. Then I was like, okay, what do you think about leading? (laughs) What do you think about singing? I'm like, no. Started singing back up. Then I got her to lead a song one time. She doesn't remember messing up, but she messed up. But it was fine. It was cool. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> Cause she didn't even know. It. She's like, let's keep doing that. That was awesome. I was like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, let's do it. And now it's funny, man. I'll go to I'll go to a, a youth camp or a conference, and, and and we'll lead, or here at church we'll lead. And I'm just I'm just a guy now. <laughs> she sings, and everyone's like, man, that was so good remember it was at summer camp two years ago. And you guys remember Pastor Julian Lowe? After work, remember he was walking up to preach night one. And he went up to Danielle and he goes, when you sang, the atmosphere changed. I was like, okay. But like, <laughs> like I, I taught her how to do that, bro. Like, no, I'm just kidding. But what if Danielle would have been like, I'm, I'm nervous about that. It's not for me. Well, she kind of did, and then we forced her into it. But I, bu- I bullied her. Oh, it comes full circle. I bullied her to Jesus. Let, me, let the world know I'm a bully. Okay, the next one. Think about this. Sarah. Sarah didn't like singing at first. I just knew she could. So I was like, all right, you're going to be on the worship team. she's like, hey, heck no. And now every time she sings on a weekend or here on Wednesday, you guys get all excited about it it's good, and it's anointed, and it's powerful. I remember when I first met Kevin. He's like, I play the guitar. I was like, cool, come play on Wednesday. He played. I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> There's a couple times he's, like, playing an altar time. I'm like, bro, just stop, you know. <laughs> I can say this now because you're so good. I was thinking today, I was standing there, probably right where you're at, I was standing there, you're playing some line while, while Michaela is singing. I was like, dang, you're good. And uh, just because I seen where it was, and, and it's like you were you've been scared. I remember there's been sometimes I've had you do some crazy stuff. I've had you play at, at camps and all these. New, I had you rap at at a, a youth conference, and you and I, you guys don't know this, but Kevin was probably all, this close to puking in the bathroom beforehand. He's just not. He was just not about it. And and I and I made him go to Ecuador and speak in Spanish to all these Ecuadorian kids. And but you know what? He did it. He didn't need an errand. He didn't need someone to do it for him. He did it. Right? And there's so many more stories in the room of of you guys who have stepped up and done crazy things. I remember it was camp at at that camp when Shelby runs up, Michaela needs to be on the worship team. And I was like, hey, yo, what? She's like, Michaela's like, you know how she does He's like, can you sing? Well, you know, maybe. But no, she was just, just kidding. She was like, I don't know. No, please, no. Okay, yes. <laughs> right? And she left for the first time tonight. How cool is that, right? It's like, amen. <laughs> Andres is the shyest kid I've ever met in my life. And a couple of years later, he goes, Brad, I want to preach. I was like, you want to do what? <laughs> Bro, you can't even talk to me. <laughs> Why?" Why? Why would you want to talk to all of them? But you know what in his heart he's like God told me. So I got to do it. God told me. So 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 here's here's where I'm going. So <laughs> the final portion of this is that no one is extra special in this room. Especially the people I just talked about. They're not. The crazy thing is God likes using people who Oftentimes look like the least of these. So what I'm telling you is each and every one of you has that story within you. And whether it's been told yet or seen yet is up to you. Each and every one of you, God has called you to something. I just talked to Logan about this the other day. Three years ago, I thought Logan was about the worst leader I've ever had on my team. I got to be honest. I was like, bro, this fool. I said, (laughs) No, and it'll it'll make sense. But I, I mean I've had some leaders who like were super hype and they hated me and so they had to go. And Logan didn't hate me. I mean, he loved me, but he just like he, he, he just wouldn't there was no drive. I just he was just like eh. about everything. And you know and it same camp oh we just need to go back to that kid, no, I'm just kidding. Same camp. Just just rebuild that one camp. Okay, here's here. This was perfect. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. That same camp. Logan said he was talking to Matt, and he's like, "I just don't think I'm cut out for this." And I don't know how Matt said it, but probably you can imagine Matt was probably just like, "We'll just suck it up and do it, bro," right? Like just be a leader. And Logan was like, "All right." And we and I've seen I've seen a crazy change. I was like. And some of you leaders who have been around for a while, I was, like, yelling at Logan to come to church on a Sunday. I was like, dude, just show up. Like, it's 10 o'clock. It's not hard, right? And, I, and there's others of you, too. I'm just singling Logan out. And, but you know what? I haven't seen him miss a Sunday in probably two years. I mean, there's, there's some circumstances. But for the most part, you know what I mean? Like when he could be there, he's there. He's singing on the worship team. He's greeting. We just talked about he's he wants to uh, help out with Echo Jai on Sundays. Why? Because in a moment he felt God was calling him to something bigger. Right. And for me, I was like, dude. And the reason why I was so frustrated, this will come full circle, because I saw what was in within Logan. I didn't know how to pull it out of him. And I was like, there's so much there, and he's wasting all of it. I was so frustrated. But I can't do that. I can't just walk up to him and I'm like, you're an idiot, right? Like, it it just doesn't, it doesn't work like that, right? (laughs) There's so much, uh, there was so much potential. And this, everybody on my leadership team, there's so much potential in each and every one of you. And it's like, or I wouldn't have you on the team. Sorry, but I wouldn't. But when, but when, when it wasn't, I couldn't figure out how to get it out, right? And then it, boom, it's there. And it's like, oh man, God said, Logan, you got to do this. And he said, All right. All right, bet. Now he's texting me in the middle of the night about the Bible and his, all these questions. And... Anyways, you could probably cut my message like 15 minutes ago, but. <clears throat> This isn't a message anymore. It's just testimonies. Can I give testimonies? Can I give some cool things? I, where I've seen some people come from, from death to life, where I've seen some folks, like, be transformed, like, right, right before my eyes. I remember when I, when I baptized Chris and Undress in the ocean, there's a picture upstairs in the office of, of Chris, like, <laughs> coming out of the water. And I remember the week after I asked him, I was like, how did you feel? They're like, I just feel lighter. I was like, that doesn't make sense. But maybe, actually, maybe It does. I never heard someone say that. Like, it was so raw. They didn't know all the Christian phrases and like, oh, I feel like I'm redeemed, you know. (laughs) I feel like sanctified, Brother Brett. Like, he was like, I I feel lighter. Like, did you eat salads this week or what? Like, But then I thought about it. I was like, oh, there's a weight that was lifted. There's something that, that came off of them in that moment, right? Just really cool things really cool things and so if I can make this worthwhile the reason that we're doing this is for those stories each and every one of you had a story I could spend all night talking about every single one of you I'm just pointing out folks but everyone who's in this room has had had some sort of story where God has impacted you like crazy God's called you to do something, and you've, and you've stepped out, and you're doing it. Or some of you are like, wait, I haven't been called to do anything yet, or I haven't responded to the call, or I haven't stepped out, and I haven't made the decision. And some of you are just on the balance beam of, do I, do I even want to be a Christian or not? Man, just just go for it. Just do it. No regrets. Because this whole thing, following Jesus, means a life fulfilled and a life after even if I'm wrong, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not wrong. But even if I was, I still lived a life to the fullest. But if I bet on the other one, that would suck. If I was wrong, that would really suck. <laughs> it's like, there's no heaven and hell. Okay, well, if you go with me, I, if there is a heaven and hell, you'll go to heaven. No, I'm good. Okay, whatever. <clears throat> Can I interest you in an afterlife? No, I'm good. <laughs> um <clears throat> we good i don't know I i I just went into this like moment of just spending time with you guys and uh telling some stories god is good amen it's really 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 good